Welcome back to Speak the Truth, a podcast that's devoted to educating, equipping, and encouraging individuals in the local church on counseling and discipleship. And what a treat. We're joined in studio today by Lee Lewis. Thank you for being here, Lee. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. We're, we're still at the 2019 Call to Counsel Conference for Biblical Counseling. If you aren't here this year, you definitely need to mark your calendar to join us for the annual conference next year. Um, but Lee is in the track on depression, and so you're joining us today to give us a little insight on depression. So um, let's, well, maybe introduce yourself. There might be a few people out there who don't know who you are. So who are you, Lee? Well, some days I don't know. But no, um, <laughs> or should we ask your wife now? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, my, my name is Lee Lewis, and I I actually lived in Dallas, the, the Dallas area, for about 10 years. Um, so I've had a long relationship with the Association of Biblical Counselors, um, just both as a pastor and as a professional counselor. Um, we're now in Austin. We, we were in Canada for three years, but we've been in Austin for a, a year where I, I pastor at a small church there. And then I'm, I'm working with um, several churches in our church planning network and helping them build what we call soul care into the lives of their church. Um, and then you know, as part of that, I'm connected with a ministry called Soul Care Consulting. Um, Dr. Garrett Higby founded that ministry, and and so we partner with churches really all over the world um, and, and resource them and help them build soul care into the, the DNA and the mm-hmm. life of their church. That's awesome. Do you have a website for that? If yeah, it's uh, soulcareconsulting.com. Okay, and we'll be maybe put that in the show notes. We'll probably or... be consulting you. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. Very cool. Well, tell us a little bit about the track on depression and, and what um, you guys are going to be talking about today. Yeah, well, you know, John Henderson, he's, you know, he's headed this thing up the last couple of years. And um, and so he's he's done a good job, I think, putting together a track that that was specifically with depression, the different speakers. They've just done a, a fantastic job of getting a well-rounded view and understanding of um, both what depression is um, and a cultural understanding, but then bringing that back to the scripture and how the scriptures speak to um, depression. But then progressively, like, how do you minister to somebody who's struggling with depression? And, and so it's very well-rounded. It's very holistic. Um, and and I, I think to, to, to tackle the topic of depression is important. Um, and and it, it's an intimidating topic. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever, if you've ever counseled somebody or known somebody who struggled with severe depression, it's very intimidating, especially when they're on the low end of it. Um, but, but to, to normalize the struggle of depression, but then to bring the gospel into full, full view of how to, to minister to and, and how the gospel heals and, and deals with, uh, the despairing heart. Um, that's, that's really the, the, the object of the track, um, to, to educate, but the, to, to really bring a biblical understanding of how to minister there. Yeah. I think, you know, when you think about just for depression, us as counselors and kind of what we're seeing in schools and things like that, it's almost like something that's quickly diagnosed or a, f- a flampant word. If, I don't know if that's the right terminology. Flippant. Flippant. There yeah, you go. There Thank you, go. you. I love that. He always corrects me. But um, a word that's like overly used in almost in every case, you yeah. know, it could just be a, a particular situation, but now all of a sudden I'm depressed. And yeah. so um, we are a culture that is real big on how we feel and emotions and stuff like that. And so you mentioned before when we were talking, casually about a culture view of depression. Will you tell us about that? Well, I think to piggyback off what you said, like the the culture view of, of, of depression is going to be very much um, based off of like it's they're going to treat it like a disease in the sense that it's something that you that you have. 
Um, maybe it's a chemical imbalance or it's a genetic disposition. And, and so, and not that those things are invalid. I think there's some fascinating things out there. Um, and, and even scripture, I think would speak to bents that people have, right. You know, if you're raised by a depressive parent, you're, you're mentored in depressiveness in a sense. Right. And so because your heart's already broken, you can have a depressive tendency, right? Is that a gene? Uh, or, 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 or is that Learn behavior? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, our culture wants to quickly label it so that they can quickly deal with it um, and, and, and quickly get a person to a better place, which in and of itself isn't wrong. Um, but um, when you promise somebody a remedy that's contrary to what, what the scriptures are going to say is very much a heart condition that has physiological and even emotional implications, you, you're going to miss, by dealing with the symptom, you're going to miss the opportunity to, to really f- bring about healing in somebody's heart through the gospel of Christ. Yeah. And and so the the cultural understanding is very surface and it's very limited and it's heavy, heavily influenced by the medical model. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to discount all of those things. There's things to be gleaned there. A good biblical counselor, I think, can glean from those things, but it misses the mark because it never gets to the heart of a person. Well, you threw in medical, so I'm going to go ahead and, and point this out here. I mean, or throw this out here. What, what are your thoughts on medication? I mean, you could talk to different biblical counselors, and I think you could get some different sure, answers. But I, I really appreciate what 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 guys at like CCF have said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they have done some great work on mm-hmm. um, um, prescriptive and descriptive type work uh, in the biblical counseling movement, which I think helps us see where meds can be effective and helpful. Now, the 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 secular side of things, the cultural understanding of meds, I think is leaned on way too much. Um, I think meds are overprescribed. I mm-hmm. think they're Quitly. misused. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and there's always a new med that's out there, and there's always an, uh, an old med that's kind of getting tossed away. And so meds, they don't actually fix the problem. Uh, they actually create new symptoms, as, as a matter of fact, because any med you take creates new symptoms in your body. Um, could it help um, maybe bring a person up? if they're in a low place to a place of coherency where they can hear and respond to truth, okay, then that's where meds could maybe benefit somebody. Um, but oftentimes they mask things um, that, that need to be dealt with on a heart level. So what I would say for me personally is I'm not anti-meds. I just am very cautious. Um, if somebody comes into my counseling and they're already on meds, it's not my place to tell them to get off their meds right? Um, it, because those meds affect their body. And so if and as their heart's changing and they're growing in Christ and their symptomology as, as, a, as a follow um, uh, allows for them to maybe start to be weaned off their meds. I'm always going to refer to a medical professional to, to do that type of work. But but by and large, um, I think uh, meds are overused. They're over relied yeah. upon, um, but they can be helpful in some scenarios to, to bring a person to, to a better place of focus to hear and respond to truth. I want to make sure that the counselors heard this um, is, you know, refer to a medical professional realizing a biblical counselor, you're not there to diagnose and, and to prescribe medication for people. And then you also said, even if there was a time for they were on, medicine to get off that there's a wing off process that they should be working with a medical professional for that as well and so that's really good so remembering that there's a role as a biblical counselor and even though we can have a thought from a spiritual standpoint I think for me I actually have um you know personal struggle where for years I did struggle with depression and I remember going back and forth and doing research on medicine like what did that actually look like I think the one thing that blew my mind really was that depression medication isn't actually there's no test to prove what it actually does and so here we are, feelings-operated humans, um, and and yet we were. It's being tested by how we feel. And you actually mentioned something about some kind of placebo test. What what happened there? And I, I can't give you the specifics on oh, it. But okay. Several years ago, there was a, a medical journal, secular medical journal that came out, and they were they were testing some of the two of the um, 
the the newest depression meds that were out there and but they used three so there was a placebo um, and they they tracked the change and the growth of people through their depressive struggle um, with these different meds and and I think it was to the tune of like with one of the depression meds uh, there was change in like 20 something percent 24 percent of the people uh, the the other depression med change in like 28 percent but then the placebo there was a change in 34 percent of them something along those lines so it's it, it but it's interesting because n- that just the prospect that that this could help me is enough for that person's heart to leap with mm. with hope. Mm-hmm. You know, Proverbs says, "Hope deferred makes the heart sick." So, just offering them something that could maybe help them, it was enough to to spring them into a better frame of mind. And and so, if you think of that, like, what does the gospel do for us? It brings, you know, Paul talked about it earlier. This living hope that 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 secures something for us in the future, but informs my day to day. It's living. It's living. It's alive. Yeah. And so it continues to, to, to undergird and strengthen the depths and the riches and the mercies and the knowledge that Christ is in me and grows my soul as a result. That's a hope that's unshakable. So, so if you take that picture of hope and what the heart longs for with hope, um, the gospel provides that. And so when a person slips into a place of despair or depression, depression, um, they've, they've slipped into a place more and more slipped, slipped into a place of hopelessness. Um, and that's, that's where I, to, to go back to the cultural thing, mm-hmm. because the culture is so quick to, to apply that, that diagnosis of depression on a person. I, more often in my counseling and pastoral ministries, I've seen that as a progression. You don't wake up depressed one day. Mm. You may wake up melancholy, mm-hmm. but over a period, um, as your heart's more and more isolated is you know, Hebrews talks about unbelieving, the unbelief of our hearts in Hebrews 3. If, if an unbelief is allowed to reign, and, and no, nothing's pressing in on that, community's not pressing in on the gospel's not pressing in on that, and I'm isolating more and more, and, I, and, and depression's starting to set in more and more, it's, it's not hard to believe that a person could find themselves in a very despairing place to where suicide's even something that they're thinking about, but that takes time. It becomes very cancerous. Mm-hmm. Which is what I love about Hebrews three twelve because it, then it says, you know, the prideful, unbelieving heart—it's evil. But that's why we're called to exert, exhort one another. That's why I believe the body of Christ is so important because we're called to quote what we say, called to counsel, mm-hmm. right? We're called into each other's life to exhort each other in the gospel. And when I don't do that, I'm setting myself up for for unbelief to begin to reign more and more in my heart. We're we're sure some things like anxiety and depression can abound in that place, but the body the body of Christ is meant to exhort us in biblical uh, towards biblical truth so you know here you have that experience from the pastoral care um what how would you tell and obviously you do the consultant which you mentioned too as well so just for our listeners today how would you encourage the churches or the leaders who have either struggled with it or want to help and walk alongside others that are going through depression like where to start yeah um i think that um paul's uh, teaching on suffering is going to be very important um you know, like the thing about depression is it's very intimidating and most people will just immediately say, you know, I'm not equipped to deal with that. And maybe that's true in the sense, like the nitty gritty of it. Maybe you're not equipped to walk them through all of the implications that, that would need to be carefully shepherded. But, um, what, what Galatians would say is you who are spiritual, that means if you're in Christ, you have the Holy spirit in you and just coming to provide and offer gospel hope, gospel comfort. You don't need to be trained, um, to great degrees to be able to minister to that person and care for them in their low place because they're suffering. Um, they, they, they could be suffering as a result of some of their own self-centered perceptions in life. 
but but even then there's a way to comfort them with the gospel to minister to them and to to pray for them and and then lead them toward a place where they can maybe get some more focused and specific help by somebody who's a bit more trained and so so that to think this is what we do with soul care consulting to get churches to think past the idea of like we got to get lay counselors trained so that they can do our heavy lifting yes but what about your small group leaders how are they doing biblical counseling what about the christians the members in your church that are called into the one another's how are you training them to do that? In other words, there's a there's a gambit of equipping that needs to happen in the body of Christ so that every level of care, from the intentional to the intensive, that's mm-hmm. what we always say, mm-hmm. there's there's equipping for people to, to minister the gospel. It's good. Yeah, it's got to be at that granular level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and so if you're a Christ follower, you're called into ministry. That's what Galatians 6 would say, that you're called to bear one another's burdens. You're called mm-hmm. to forgive one another, love one another, serve one another. Those aren't optional. They're not like, hey, if you get some time, serve this guy. No, 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 that's Christ in me compels me to serve, to, to speak the truth and all of those things that the Spirit enables us to do because we've been redeemed by Christ. And so that's what gets me passionate with somebody who's struggling with depression. It's like, okay, let's get them focused help, but let's get them into the body of Christ because the body of Christ coming around that person is going to be huge in them growing and being exhorted in gospel truths. I remember that, like there was levels of friends who, you know, yeah, maybe they couldn't speak into my life from a spiritual standpoint, um, but just not allowing me to stay in isolation and sending me texts that they love me and, um, hey, you you know, your life matters and you've impacted my life and we love you. And even to the point where my husband's dragging me out of bed saying, you're taking a shower today, like get out of bed. Um, We need those people in our life that offer accountability, that um, doesn't allow us to isolate, um, can help us take our thoughts captive because we can go on this downward spiral and we're going through depression. And it's like almost our thoughts are what take us takes us to an even darker place. And so I just want to let the churches and, and the believers out there know that, yes, there is absolutely we want to get educated and be able to encourage them in scripture spiritually, but there's also these other levels of prayer warriors and, um, and people people that can encourage us in other ways. Yeah, I would I would just add to that too and and Lee good word on that man, but Jesus in John 13, 34 and 35 in the upper room, that was the extent that he was talking about. All people will know that you are my disciples mm-hmm. if you have love for one another. All people. Yeah. That was the extent of the love that he was talking about. Yep. That very same love that Paul's talking about in the expression of one anothering in Galatians mm-hmm. six one. So that's man, it's that's good. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I appreciate you sharing your personal struggle with depression. Um, uh, I just kind of wanted to come back to something you said there. I, th- I think it's it, there's often a stigma carried with it. My my grandmother taught me probably the most about mm-hmm. depression. Mm. She she grew up in an unbelievably abusive um, uh, upbringing, and um, she was the youngest of. 13 brothers and half brothers and there was lots of abuse that went on for years and one of them came to his senses and pulled her out of that mess but that that much that much abuse for so many years like really wounded and scarred her um and and so she met my grandfather they became believers and he he's such a gentle man patient caring but she struggled mightily with severe depression and and she had a christian psychiatrist who helped her um, he didn't want to over-medicate her, but he gave her stuff at times to help her, mm-hmm. did some talk therapy with her. I don't know that he was a biblical counselor, but he was a believer, and he tried to point her to Christ. But what was important for her was, like, I would read her journals after she went on to be with the Lord, and, like, she constantly preached truth to her soul. And then she had good women in her life that she could go to. Um, and, and I think it was a combination of those things where she had these suicidal periods that 
none of us grandkids knew about because by the time we were born, yeah. she had fought and struggled so well that yes, there were still dark days, but it was a progressive healing work that the Lord was doing in her. But she she always had a bit of a scar there in that area that could easily, easily get 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 into a place of self loathing and, and self pity, and then before you know it, she would shrink into sink into a place of despair. You know, it just sorry, Lee, what you're talking about. And sharing those personal examples, Shauna with hers, and then what Paul was talking about, Paul Tripp, earlier in the, in that segment we did with him, where when you can't preach the gospel to yourself anymore, mm-hmm. you've got to be around other people. Yeah. And I think that's the that's the that's the key right there is depressions. Those I think that's what God is accomplishing through depression ultimately is learning to preach the gospel to yourself yeah. on a regular basis. Yep. yep. And it really is an opportunity. It's an you know, if all of us have evil and unbelieving hearts in our flesh, then that gap I've heard it called the gospel gap. That gap's got to get closed. Well, what closes it? Capital T truth. Mm. And 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 so depression is that there's opportunity in it to cry out vertically. That's the Psalms are phenomenal mm-hmm. for that. Like rightly orient your heart in this place of sorrow, in this place of difficulty, this place that's headed towards depression. The the thing about sinful depression is it brings you so self focused you don't even realize you're at the center of your own universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'll be careful there because they're really hurting, they're really struggling, but to draw them into a hope outside of themselves, it's unbelievable to see how the Lord uses that that that, that simple reframe for a person's despairing heart to, to, to find hope outside of themselves, which then reorients them around the gospel, not at the center of their own universe. His kingdom come. His will be done. Instead of my kingdom come, my will be done, right? Oh, man, that is that is good. Um, and just on another note, because I know you're obviously a, a pastor and a biblical counselor, um, me coming into this new role that I am as a, as a pastor myself now, a discipleship pastor, this is one of the biggest pieces that I'm trying to really integrate into our church, um, creating a, a community group training curriculum around this idea mm-hmm. that these men and women, really more specifically the men and then their wives, but they're becoming in a way the under shepherd. Yep. And, and, and really that's what biblical counseling is having that awareness and level of understanding and realizing yep. that, no, you, there's a level of responsibility that comes with that one anothering. And when you're not doing that, yep. you're actually, and sin. Yeah. Like, and I don't think we, yeah. re- I don't like, I don't, the body at large, I don't think it like that's completely foreign to them. Yeah. And we got our work cut out for us in the West because uh, in the West we see churches, churches about like it's my needs. I, I, I shop churches. I mean, here, yeah. here we're in Dallas, you know, there's a church on every corner. Oh yeah. And so if I don't like that church, I'm gonna go to this mm-hmm. other church. It's like, you know, church is really about dying to self. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you become, you become your neighbor's keeper, your brother's keeper. You become the, the burden bearer because sometimes you're going to need burdens carried for you. And, and so it's, it's not about preference. It's not about what the church can do for me, but yeah. what I can do for yep. the church. You know, when you were talking about preaching to yourself, that is so relevant. And I do want to take a minute to just encourage those out there because, you know, I remember there's so there's, I almost called it my battle plan and you can make battle plans and all these different levels, but specific for depression, you know, on those days that I um, felt a little bit better were the times where you think, Oh, I need to do all this other stuff. But really for me, I needed to prepare for the dark days that could possibly come. Mm. 
So sometimes writing scriptures on index cards or reaching out to my friends to say, hey, send me your favorite scriptures that, that offer you hope or yeah. joy. Uh, send those to me so I can actually prepare for that truth because I knew I, I was going to need to speak truth into my life. But when mm-hmm. you get to a certain place, that's really the last thing you want to do or try to look up because you're just so disoriented, if that yeah. makes sense. And so... Um, Anyway, so that's one of the places that I would start. It's like even if you um, need to take time on your own time to look up scripture and write these down on index cards to hand to your friend to help them in their battle plan to speak truth to themselves, to help them take their thoughts captive, that might be a great way to just immediately speak into someone's life. Yeah, Just absolutely. a thought. I mean, any other any other thoughts on just taking thoughts captive and, and, and helping them to speak truth when they're in that depressive state? Yeah, um, I, I think abiding in Christ is super important. And, and that's, you know, you can call it what you want, call it a quiet time, whatever, but like spending time with Christ is is what's going to help. It's what we're called to, first of all, but but it's it, it's what puts us back under his care. You know, when I'm not abiding in Christ, I'm abiding somewhere else, which means I'm giving care to whatever that thing is, that horizontal thing. So you now found a functional Savior horizontally that can't actually deliver. Oh, bingo. Yeah, and so to come back under Christ, mm-hmm. that's the picture of abiding. It's mm-hmm. in and under. And, and so it's resubmitting myself to him because he's God, I'm not. He's my caregiver. He's loving. He's kind. His truth. Those things are what changes. And I think from there, we're able to speak into areas where where we are struggling with maybe some doubt, maybe some fear. And that's where community is so important because to be able to be honest to somebody say, you know, I, I'm struggling with the promises of God. Uh, I, I know I should believe them, but I'm struggling with this one in particular right now. Could you pray for me? Like, why are we so scared to say that, to acknowledge that out loud? Um, God already knows it. He knows our thoughts. And so to be able to bring that to him, bring that to gospel community, and to be able to then replace that, to put off, put on, to replace that with truth mm-hmm. instead of the lie that Satan typically uses to, to with our weakened flesh. To, to, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things work together. Um, and when they're working together for a person, even with severe depression, that maybe even on meds, if all of those things are working around them, I, I really believe you see people grow and grow and grow in the gospel. And then they look back a year, two years later, and they're like, man, I remember the valley of the shadow of death. But like, I, I'm so much more firm in, in, in the Lord now. Like, I, I still have these days where I can sink quickly. And those are the reasons why, I don't know why. I, we're born into a fallen world. Some people have a bent that way. I don't, I don't know that we need to peg it to see the remedies the same either way. Even if we figure out the why, the remedy still. I had, the I had same. no energy to try to figure out why I was walking through it. I had to use all of my energy just to like literally walk through mm-hmm. it. Almost where I had to almost stand firm as the tornado is kind of yeah. around me is the analogy they use at times. And you said abide in Christ, which is really good. And I've been reading First John a lot lately, and that's abiding in God's love. And so I mm-hmm. think that's another book of the Bible that whoever's listening might want to read. First John is a great one just to just be over. I mean, just flowing of God. God's love over you and just knowing who, what that is. Um, Michael, you had something to say? No? He's all good. Oh. No, you're talking about this overflow of love. <laughs> it's just. Hey. Yeah, they can't see what you're doing when you're actually saying that you like are giving. Animated with my yeah. hands. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, um, let me, let me think about this. So, um, what are some resources that you might have for the church on depression? Any favorite books or websites or anything that you went to that you would yeah. be encouraging? The the Journal for Biblical Counseling has some good articles. Um, there's actually, it's an old article, um, but it's by, it's I think it's like a four-page article in the journal by Spurgeon. And he's talking about just spiritual depression. 
Um, I mean, Jerry Bridges' book, Spiritual Depression, is a mm-hmm. fantastic resource. Ed, Ed Welch, Welch yep, yeah, yep, he's yep, got that Stubborn uh-huh. Darkness, yep. which is a, a great resource. Yep. Um, but really, I think what I've spent the most time trying to teach counselees to do is to mourn biblically. Like that's being like to, to, to write, like we use I exercise we use is called writing your own personal Psalm. So we'll give them this resource and it's really to see how they relate and interact with God through that. But then you're also trying to teach them how to go vertical with their sorrow. And, and there's something profound and powerful that happens when they learn to do that regularly. Because so often what depression does is it rightly recognizes the, the circumstantial um, struggles, but it, it doesn't take those vertically very quickly, if at all. And so the longer a person's allowed to just set in that hopeless horizontal place, what do you expect's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we do not live in a world that's that's that, that's perfect. We know this. Like people are murdered every day. Just watch the news for a few minutes, and you see how broken our we world is. We have a is. lot to be depressed. Yeah. Per yes, se there's, about. there's a yeah. lot to look around. Like mm-hmm. like Easter Easter morning, like those mm-hmm. in Sri Lanka, like those believers were were killed. Mm-hmm. Like we we prayed for them at our church, and I, I was just sickened over it. Mm-hmm. And if you just stay in that, then then that gets you. But if you take that sadness and that broken reality and you, you, Lord, how would you have us see this? Like the Lord does something there. And so writing your own personal Psalm brings them into, in essence, the Psalms of scripture. And then, and then how do we accurately articulate our heart to the Lord? Because he's the one ultimately we need to bring this to. And I love that about Job. What Job does is he has to hear from the Lord. He's not content to hear from anyone else. I need to hear from the Lord. And when the Lord speaks, he doesn't answer Job. But I think what Job teaches is to go vertical. Yeah, when when God actually confronts him yeah. in that moment, I think it's like Job 30, mm-hmm. where he he has that encounter with God, and Job's response is, okay, I clearly didn't see, I didn't understand, and now I see, and now I get it. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. And in and, and the, the picture there is he's changed. Right. Like he's nothing's changed necessarily. He hadn't been given anything back yet, but well, he's changed. Yeah, what did we just, um, the, what was it, our podcast the other day, we were talking with Jeremy about that, and we were going through, like, God in counseling, and he brings up Lamentations 3. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to and sing Jeremiah's that. Jeremiah's cry. Yeah, Jeremiah's yeah. cry, and just the posture of his heart when oh, he's crying. Oh, counseling with God in mind, that's that episode. Yeah, counseling uh-huh. with God in mind, and it's to that very idea, man, and it's so true is, you know, kind of the context is how how is our the expression of our heart, the posture of our heart, which is, you know, prayerfully speaking, how does that affect our prayers? And what's the point of praying when we're struggling like that? And that was kind of the context, but just realizing that you begin to see that. I love that exercise that you're talking about doing and what you've done with your people. That's so helpful. So once they've done that, then I'll just spend some time in the Psalms with them and I'll give them a homework assignment. I say, I want you to just read through as many of the Psalms as you can the next couple of weeks and, and write down the ones that, that most, articulate where your heart is right now and why, and then just give them space to do that. And then when they come back and this, this speaks to this, this speaks to this, this validates this in me. And then you get the why behind it. You see areas where there could be unbelief, which is then where I'm going to bring the gospel into those areas of unbelief Mm -hmm. so that they can rest on the promises of God that so that they can learn to look to Christ and his perfect, perfect provision, perfect protection through his work on the cross and what the gospel secures for them. Like there's a lot of misunderstanding around the gospel. Like they see the gospel as something that has saved them, but how does it now sustain them? Yes. Right. There's, yes. there's important sanctification implications to the power of the gospel, all the way to glorification Absolutely. according to scripture. Mm-hmm. So what, how is the gospel relevant in this struggle right here? And that, that, that's a super effective exercise to get people vertical, to get them abiding, but then to get areas where there's unbelief to, to come face to face with the truths of the gospel.
Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, there's a progression. I love how this podcast has went where you can kind of be an advocate and just encourage your friend to not be in isolation and accountability to then, you know, speaking truth to them, helping them preach the truth of themselves, writing them scriptures and, and encouraging that way to then even helping them articulate their depression and by walking through the Psalms. Mm-hmm. The one and last question, because I know we got a wrap up that I have where we began the podcast and talking that depression is in our culture just overly and quickly diagnosed at the end of the day. Um, I know that I've worked with parents where their kids, you know, teenagers are coming in and saying I'm depressed and, you know, quickly a medical professional could possibly put them on medication right away. And so is there any tips or thoughts on how could we look into someone's life um, and say there's symptoms or certain things that we can see that clearly say this is depression um, versus mm, maybe not so much. And, you know, we could immediately go this route. I don't know. Thoughts there? Um, I mean, in, like in, in marriage counseling, it's always going to be a bit easier because their spouse is going to, to be the one that's been on the receiving end of some of those things. Like sometimes you'll get angry outbursts, you know, mood changes, mood swings, um, isolation, um, just shutting down, people kind of like going very inward. Uh, a spouse is going to see that, and if that's, not a, that's, if that's atypical, they're going to be like, hey, something's off. It's the person who's not connected like that like maybe they're uh, it's a single dude who's at the church and he's not really connected yet like that's very hard to identify because mm-hmm. maybe he is as reclusive tendencies but but when you see somebody that you've known and had relationship pull way back um and then just they kind of go awol or or they're very evasive um i mean those can be some pretty significant um like tales of of a person that may be slipping into a lower place mm-hmm. towards depression towards despair and i i i prefer to see it as a slip because it's progressive. It's again, I don't. It doesn't I don't just happen. Overall. It's not a fall. Mm-hmm. It's no. a slip. Mm-hmm. You, you don't wake up depressed one morning. Like it. That's that's over time. Like moods begin to be affected. Emotions have begin to be affected. Even the body is begins to be affected. Where where all kinds of physiological things like that takes time. And that's when it's just de- 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 diagnosed depression. That's why I'm so frustrated with our culture to give it such a quick diagnosis. Like sometimes you can spend months with a person before you can say, yeah, they're depressed. Yeah. Um, so be attentive. That's important. Yeah, just be yeah. attentive. And like get get to like be in people's lives right yeah um and and so like the churches i work with like we we spend exhaustive amounts of time and resources on trying to equip small group leaders and equip churches to understand the importance of one another ministry. Well, I tell you right now, after all of the podcasts that we've done today and the interviews, I mean, Psalms is something that is consistent in every single one. I almost want to lead a a Psalm study at the church or something um, because I feel like that if there's any place that I've heard repetitively, it's been that, you know, doing that, that would be a a great preparation. Um, We've got to close, but Michael, I mean, I, I have to take this opportunity. Here I am being transparent about my depression. And I think that there's uh, maybe husbands or other people who are walking with really closely with the person who's struggling with depression as you have with me. Um, so I, I have to go ahead and ask, is there any feedback that you might want to give to, to that person? Yeah. And I, and I think actually Lee alluded to it kind of in passing when he was making another point, but to the person who's kind of like as a spouse on the other side mm-hmm. of that equation, um, because you know, obviously Cause when, you struggle, I mean, you ha- you well, get struggles from it too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you were going through it, I struggled because I didn't know how to respond well mm-hmm. to it because I couldn't relate to it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I couldn't uh, help and tell you this is what I needed because I didn't know. Yeah. So it, it, it's in a weird, the, weird the place. S- yeah. The strongest, um, break 
when that is going on is in communication because the person who's experiencing that depression or level of depression doesn't, it, they can't articulate. They just, they, it, they feel that way. And, and unfortunately in that moment, that is their objective truth that yeah. they're, that's where they are. And you just got to kind of roll with it. Um, and for me, I didn't understand it. And so it probably took a, a good year. So you had to have a lot of patience. Yeah. Um, well, I had to have a lot had of to pa- limited expectations. I remember that was one. Yeah. And, and to, to those who are listening, who may be on this side of the spectrum uh, with me, as far as that's concerned is uh, I think we need to guard our hearts um, because in those moments where mm-hmm. I would come home yep. and I would see a dirty house and I'm thinking in my I'm thinking in my mind, I'm certainly not saying it, but I'm assessing and judging in that moment saying, hmm, was this conveniently just depression or was this just straight up laziness? laziness yep. Because when somebody's depressed, that it does get to that, you know, that point where it does become sinful, yep. right? Um, and, and so that was a huge wrestle for me. I did develop a lot of bad habits. I will take ownership of that for sure. Um, and so it would be hard for you from the outside um, when I don't even really know how to discern between the two. And so I can only imagine and have to just thank the Lord that he has given you um, obviously extended grace to you because you definitely extended it, extended it to me during that whole process. Well, it was actually through that where we actually had our community group, just to bring that full circle, yeah. our community group at the time, who's actually some of our counselors now in our ministry where Sean and I were kind of at odds with each other. We showed up to community group and they, we, they could tell we were at odds with each other and I didn't personally want to go. Sean was like, no, I need this. And so we, we walk in. It's like, what's the point if we, if yeah. we drive away now, that's yeah. the whole point of community well, group. You they, wanted to fight. I was in flight mode. It's usually, <laughs> it's usually the <laughs> other way around. Uh, and they separated us immediately, girls yeah. and guys. But so. no, the, anyway, that, that's where I was going with that is to say really in that particular moment, bringing it back to the one anothering in the church and, you know, what we're doing in that is our group, I walk in and uh, the guy's like, hey, um, you all right, Mike? And I clearly was wearing it on my sleeves and, and I'm like, no, actually, Sean and I are at odds with each other. He's like, well, we know what we're doing tonight. And mm-hmm. it literally became a group a group discussion, a, a group counseling session. Yeah, It was it actually is- the most beautiful thing for us because we, we had uh, finally had um, a culture created. We had cultivated a culture in a way that we could just be who we were. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about Michael or Shauna Van Dyke. You and- mean you could actually apply the gospel uh, in real time, uh, right? Yes. Versus just talking yes. about it. And we love, um, yeah, we love them dearly. Yeah. So. But anyway, so it just, th- that was a real life example of what that looked like to, to do that. So, mm-hmm. um, but all that to say, we definitely, um, we could go on and on about depression. And honestly, Lee, I want to uh, invite you uh, in the future. I'd love to bring you back on. I know you're down oh, in Austin. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Um, but, man, we can we can Bluetooth you in on, on the phone. And, and, and I, I would actually like to do a series on uh, trying to help equip yeah. churches and pastors in their He's local churches. He's getting you to commit on the radio, so. Let's do you it. Know. I mean, it's, <laughs> we it's can like hold you. That's our little contract. Now. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. No, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I, yeah, we, we desperately need to do that. So Well, that's anyway. a wrap for today. Thank you guys for joining us on Speak the Truth. And we hope that we have encouraged you in a way that one, you either you're walking through depression, you've gotten some some clarity and um and, and can start in the Psalms to try to accurately articulate what you're walking through. Um, but also those who are in the church who are walking with someone who's struggling with depression, the fact that we want to give eternal hope in the church, not send them away, but love them well and create accountability and not allow them to be isolated. Lee Lewis, thank you so much for joining us today on Speak the Truth. You guys have a good night. Thank you.